I lay my hands on him and I pray in the name of Jesus, restore this man back to life. Wow. And do you know what happened at that moment? I am so excited to hear. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm going to be your host today. And we are joined with some awesome guests all the way from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. We have Miss Mary Sally Santiago. Hello, hello. Hello, and Father DeLacy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having us here. All right, today's going to be an amazing show because we've got East Coast Philly people in the house, and you know when that happens, it gets spicy. <laughs> so, uh, Father, could you open us up in prayer? I'd be, I would love to. Name the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for all the gifts that you give to us. We thank you for making us your beloved children. We ask that all that we say and do be in accordance with your will and for your glory. And we ask this all through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. So if you're joining us for the first time, this show is all about equipping us for the work of mission, right? Because we don't want to be people who just worry about Damascus. We want to be people who think about beyond Damascus. So St. Paul had this incredible conversion on the road to Damascus where he encountered the living God, and that encounter experience is absolutely critical to the Christian life, but it doesn't stop with the encounter. Beyond Damascus is about encounter meeting mission. And after Paul had this conversion on the road to Damascus, he was equipped and prayed with by the Holy Ones in Damascus, and he was sent on into mission where he took the gospel to the nations, and not just to uh, those who weren't going to reject him, but he took them to the Gentiles, to kings, and he really, truly brought the gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's our call, that when we encounter him, we become missionaries for him. And so we're, we're you know, we, we have a few missionaries here today, right? It's, uh, Father, you've been a priest for how many years? For 18 years. 18 years. Yes. That is amazing. It's and Mary awesome. Sally, how, how long have you been working in the church? Oh my God. Officially, unofficially, volunteer you've since I was... You've been for like ever. Since I was 16 years old. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's been quite some time. I'm not afraid to say I'm 40, I'll be 46 this year, so there you go. There you go. Nice yeah. round number, yeah. I guess. <laughs> so round that up, 30 years, right? There you go. All right, that's amazing. <laughs> and so you guys have both encountered Jesus in powerful ways, clearly, right? Because you're you're living life as his disciples. Father, do you want to share how you've encountered him and how he changed your life and convicted your heart? Awesome. And I, I, in my mind, I was according to the phrase, the, my Damascus moment, when, uh, yes. when I first encountered our Lord in a way that changed my life. So CYO is really big out in Philadelphia. I know it's mm. big in other places, and it stands for Crush Your Opponents. Not always yeah, yeah, the most yeah, faith-filled yeah. experience, yeah, <laughs> as opposed to Catholic Youth Organization. Yeah, they're well, about the same. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So I, as soon as I graduated high school, in my college years, I was a high school coach for the, the, the high school volleyball team, co-ed. And uh, this one day, we were in um, the championship. Now, my whole spirituality up at that point, I was a practicing Catholic, have great parents, and they really gave me the faith in a beautiful way, but I was definitely lukewarm and going through the motions. So for this one day, we're in the championship, and the only time I would pray was when I was playing sports and I needed help with a foul shot. Oh, yeah. Or I was taking a test and I needed help for getting the grade. Like in the, Ask in the, and you shall receive, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then that hey, was it. Hey, hey. <laughs> and, then, and then I would take credit for it when I got the A. Oh, I did a great job as yeah. opposed to like, thank you, I yeah. total mess. Yeah. 
So I prayed that day. I'm like, God, help us to win. But you know, it, it was really the first time that I prayed and I really opened my heart to God as I prayed. I'm like, Lord, you know these kids, you, you know their challenges, you know their struggles, they, they need to be part of something positive in their lives and that type of thing. Essentially, I was praying, help us to win. But that wasn't the big deal. The big deal was I opened my heart to God and I have what, what, what spiritual writers would talk about, just total consolation. I was in my manager's office on my internship, working at the computer, praying, and there I had this amazing encounter with God where it just felt like the whole room was enveloped with his presence and I was experiencing joy and wow. it was awesome. And I remember even getting nervous, like people are going to walk by the office and see I'm with God and like they're going to think I'm slacking off or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that moment passed, but then it left me hungry. And then the next time I had that total consolation was in the context of a charismatic prayer meeting. And that caused me to kind of stay because I thought it was weird. But then it caused me to stay. And then I, I was set on fire and formed for mission and, and then eventually answer the call to the priesthood. Yeah, that's awesome. So we have some some charismatics uh, that watch our show. And, uh, you know, I, I always like to say we want to be charismatic, not crazy-matics, right? There's, so there's <laughs> yes. a lot of crazy-matics yes. out there. And you're just like, okay, I want nothing to do with these people. But so what was that uh, charismatic experience oh, like for well, you? I have to share this story, too. So it's one of my favorite stories. Mary Sally knows it. So right before I actually went to the prayer meeting, um, you know, my pastor was doing something great at the time. He, he, the sacristan at the parish was dying of cancer, had no family. The pastor brought him into the rectory to take care of him while he was on hospice. Wow. And he would go out every Wednesday night to a prayer meeting and he would have me come to, to watch him. So this one day he was, come, he came back from the prayer meeting. Now I knew nothing about praying in tongues. I never heard of the concept. I knew at Pentecost that, you know, you know, the apostles could speak in every tongue, but How I didn't know that. I, and I was like 20, 21. So nice. I was a little bit of a punk then I've grown out of it. Yeah. Since, oh, so yeah. You're, well, you're still a punk. There's remnants. So he's like, why don't you come back with us? And we're going to go pray over Jim. So we, we go back. He lays his hands. He starts praying in prayer tongues. Well, being the punk that I was, I wanted to contribute to the prayer. So as soon as he finished praying, I added yabba dabba do. <laughs> <laughs> I got the dirtiest look from him. <laughs> that was the moment you were called to the priesthood. Yeah. <laughs> so fast forward, I, I Catholic guilt, right? Yeah. You know, so I was guilty for, for being a knucklehead at that point. When he asked me to go to the prayer meeting a couple months later, I'm like, oh, I owe him one. So I'm going to say yes and go and that type of thing. And when I was there, I, I was overwhelmed. I, I it, There was an enthusiasm that I thought the church should have that I saw represented in the prayer group, but I also thought it was weird at first. Yeah. But I had that encounter with God when I was praying for the win in the volley. By the way, we, we won the championship. That wasn't the most it's important like, how did the story end? <laughs> the championship that ultimately meant nothing, really. Right. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Yes. There's no real glory at the end. Because <laughs> you weren't even on the varsity basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make the varsity so team. So true. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I was uh, at this prayer meeting, I just had that that same, you know, consolation, which which then in that context they would refer to as an anointing where I just yeah. kind of felt the presence of God. I felt the Holy Spirit kind of stirring. It was almost like a physical reality to me yeah. at, at that moment. But then 
stirring in my heart and then through good teachings and that mm. type of thing, I start to, to commit to a daily holy hour and then just things took off wow. after that. I so. love that. I love that. I, I, I like how you say there is almost a physical reality because I think sometimes we're afraid to talk about that in mm-hmm. ministry, but the... I always say baptism in the Holy Spirit is a tangible sign of the Father's love for you. And mm. when when a father loves their child, it's not just with words of affirmation, but there's often the physical affirmation as well, that like a father embraces their child for them to feel loved. A father speaks words of kindness and affirmation. And, and, and when you are loved by your father, when you experience the father's love, you're filled with, as you mm-hmm. said, these the, this uh, insane constellation of peace and joy and love. And mm-hmm. that is baptism in the Holy Spirit, that yes. when the father's love becomes real internally yes. and sometimes physically, that is that moment where the Holy Spirit has become alive in you again. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that sense of like, you're a beloved child of God. God delights in you and, and that God has a, an amazing plan for you because we're all amazingly special. That un- opening up of that was just such a, a powerful transformation, healing, and, mm. and it's then set you on a trajectory of, yeah. of just awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. And I like how you say, then you start going to holy hours, right? Because that encounter always yeah. leads to some kind of action, right? And so if it's an mm-hmm. authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit and with the Father's love, I'm going to do something about that, whether it's diving deep into prayer, going to adoration, all of that. So that's so amazing. Yeah. And uh, you work day to day with a uh, father, right, Mary Sally? He's your boss. He is he, my he, boss. He's an intimidating boss that never stops smiling, oh. right? Oh, I know. He'll, yeah. ki- he'll kill you with kindness. If you don't like teeth, then this is not the place for <laughs> you to be. Because he's smiling all the time. So it's like, if you don't like teeth, this is not, you know. Yes. Yes. Like, ah. Yeah. No. no it's awesome. That's it's a fun so office. And that joy has really remained with you, right? Mm. Since that moment in the manager's office. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been it's been amazing. And and even, you know, it's it goes beyond extreme external challenges because there, there's been a, a lot of challenges my father passing away going into seminary is not easy ups and downs in formation you know as a, archdiocese of philadelphia has had some challenges right? absolutely yeah. we became the ground zero for the scandal yeah. for a couple of years but 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 our our lord is is bigger and and when you're walking with him that interior peace and joy it, it it's it goes beyond what the external experience is because you're you're with god and and the whole world could be on fire around you in a negative way, um, and and you can still be peaceful and joyful, and 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 really it imitates Jesus because like, you know, on the cross he was experiencing the fullness of peace and the fullness of joy because he was doing yeah. the Father's will and he was bringing about our salvation. Was it pleasant? No, but in his interiority where he was with the Father, was it filled with with that that consolation and mm. that that strength that comes from the Father? Absolutely, and then we're we're called to participate in that. All right, so I want to hear Mary Sally's conversion story, but we sure. ha- we do have a spiritual master with us. So uh, I, oh. I want to mm-hmm. ask Father, when when you're in your life, in your spiritual life, experiencing desolation, how mm. do you press through that desolation and and, and return to consolation? Mm, so true. I I think there's a there's a couple things. One, um, constancy and consistency is just such an important virtue to cultivate, mm. and that you know there's. When we're going through that, you know, we're all interconnected and, and we're, we're the body of Christ. So when we're identifying a time of desolation, that might be our Lord allowing it for the benefit of other people as we intercede that we, we may be experiencing a sorrow and that type of thing. And God may be allowing the faithful to experience that because people out there need you to kind of understand what they're going through and praying with them and interceding for them and kind of standing in the gap. So they're, 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 it's not wasted and that could be very powerful. 
I also think too, during the, those times of dryness, that faithfulness that we, we are engaging in, that teaches us more sometimes than the times of consolation. We're growing in, in, in virtue, we're, we're, we're growing in, in trust. The consolation in and of itself is not faith, and we're supposed to be a people of faith. So God mm. does sometimes withdraw consolation, and that's actually part of growth. You actually may be advancing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you, uh, initially we think, oh, I'm doing it wrong, right? I felt so great before, and I don't have this great feeling. I must mm -hmm. be doing it wrong, but no, we're, we're actually doing it right. And God is then bringing us to the next chapter in the sense of our faith journey and help and helping to cultivate faith where faith is, we don't have any physical feeling of God, right? And the senses are not telling us that God is there, but we know in our heart with certitude that God is there and that he loves us. Wow. And so that's the, you know, so those times of desolation are, are in some sense the more important times. Now, now we, we never want to kind of seek that if God's giving us consolation, enjoy it and stay yeah. there and, and don't leave Ride there. Ride that way. Because <laughs> that's how yes. right is consolation. Yes. There is no desolation in heaven. Woohoo! <laughs> our Lord. Yeah, yeah, amen. So, so but then, so be, being consistent and constant and just, just, you know, knowing that, that, that our Lord is there, receiving the growth that's possible, and then just kind of just know that if you weather the storm, you'll experience a time of consolation yeah. again. So, I love that. Yeah. Well, and I think the uh, Ignatius says to act against it and that, that pressing into prayer. But then also I think just the way that, I mean, I'm sure you're always smiling. You're always joyful. I'm sure that interiorly you're not always joyful, right? Mm -hmm. But to, to even act against it in the exterior life, that I'm going to mm -hmm. choose joy in this moment, which allows that Holy Spirit to transform the interior life in that as well Absolutely. guys that was great good mm -hmm. stuff rewind that re-listen to father delacy that was amazing <laughs> thank you for sharing that i, I really enjoyed that you're welcome all right mary sure. sally tell us how did you fall in love with jesus were you uh like you yeah. you were volunteering already and mission oriented as a 16 year old you weren't praying yabba dabba do over people <laughs> no. so apparently your spiritual life was way higher than father's was <laughs> in your teenage years so, yeah so it what, was what not was cartoon based yeah it was not cartoon based <laughs> <laughs> The spiritual exercises yes. of Scooby-Doo. Wait, no. Who said you have to do? It is Scooby-Doo. Fred yes. Flintstone. Fred oh, no, Flintstone. Flintstone. Oh, yeah, Fred Flintstone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally wrong spirituality. We were going with uh, spirituality of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It's actually well, Fred Flintstone. Okay. When I first started missionary life, it was kind of like bam, bam. I was like, just, like believe and convert, believe. But ironically, people didn't really receive that too well. <laughs> it took a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. Did they keep just? Did they just keep getting knocked out? Yeah, the, no yeah. response. Oh yeah, the bam bam could work if you're like, praying for people in the Holy Spirit and they get knocked there out of the go. spirit. But yeah, no, it was more like me just being a jerk, <laughs> being a little too aggressive. But someone out there right now, I know it's going to develop a spirituality based on a cartoon. Yes. As long as it's based in Jesus, I think that could work. <laughs> that you know. Work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, cradle Catholic, my mom. So I'm originally from Puerto Rico. My mom and my I really got the faith. I would say my the matriarchs of the family. So my nice. grandma was really the strength, passed it on to my mom. And then um, she passed it on to us. And so when um, when we were in the U.S., we were in a community um, where there was no ministering with young people. And so my mom, having had that background of pastoral juvenil back in PR, she's like, uh -uh, I have a teenage daughter. So I'm the oldest of three. She's like, she's 13 years old. And so she stepped right into it and kind of started something. So um, we were in Florida, so the Southeast is very much uh, engrossed um, with CEPI, the Southeast Pastoral Institute, who has mm. a very strong pastoral juvenil, so Hispanic youth and adult um, 
ministry in the southern states. And so um, diocesan-wide, we were very involved with that. So at 16, you were able to go to the weekend retreat. And so that was my first weekend retreat. And I remember going in there, and I can't say specifically anything of the retreat that was just like, yes, I'm on fire. But I think with me, God has been sort of like a creek. You know, it's just kind of this slow, but very certain, very... um, um, very, what is it, direct, um, never-ending just water. Nice. You know, that just kind of continuously pours. The rivers it's of always living there. water welling yes, up inside always, of you. <laughs> always. It's just been there. And so after the retreat, I was invited into leadership. So the retreats, there were maybe five adults. And when I say adults, I mean over 25 years of age. Everybody else was between 16 and like mid-20s nice. that ran everything. And I remember, um, so if I was going to say my first experience where I was like, yeah, that was beyond me, um, almost like a, t- not necessarily like a full takeover, but almost like a takeover was, um, so <laughs> takeover of the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> nice. So uh, it was interesting because they, you know, we would give the talks and all that stuff. So they're giving me, you know, their preps, they give you the kind of a script for you to create your talk and put it all together. And I remember, um, so part of the uh, process was whenever you were going to give a talk, you had to spend the hour before the talk at chapel. Nice. Before the blessed sacrament. And it was just you. And I remember having at that point, you know, there were no iPads or anything. So I had note cards, index cards, these little three by five cards that people used to have <laughs> and write notes on. And I remember having my little stack and um, just sitting there and sometimes, you know, I don't remember what I said or if anything at times, I think I just sat there and just stared at him and, uh, you know, do your thing. Um, so it was my first time I remember giving the talk and I just remember starting, you know, you think you're starting here and then there's the, now we're going to take a left turn. And so I'm flipping through my car, like where, where was that in the storyline that I was, um, going to say, and I remember going, right. I remember like it just went in all sorts of different directions. And, um, and that was the first time that I'm like, yeah, this he's here Mm. and, and there's something he has. And somehow I'm channeling this and here we go. Mm. Um, and so that was my first time. I remember at the end of the day. So I, every evening, once we put everybody to bed, we would, um, the entire team would get together and review every single moment of the day, the talks, gift tips, notes, whatever it might be. And I remember just sitting there just kind of like, I didn't even know, like, it, it's interesting because it's like this overwhelming sense that, it wasn't all me. You know, you're in it, but something else was definitely present. Something else was definitely leading. And so there's this sort of quiet humility, just quiet. Like there's yeah. I, there's no excitement. I don't know how to... <laughs> I can't take credit for that. Yeah. It, that was awesome. Yeah. But I can't take credit. And just trying to like, yeah. And, it, it, and it, it's like, you don't even think of it that way, but you kind of process it like, I'm just here. Yeah. You know, I was just here. Like the sort of quiet, I, I have nothing to say about what just happened. And I remember everyone, when they came to my talk, uh, you know, to review it, they were like, what was that? You know, like everybody recognized it. And for me, it was just like, thank you. Like, I, like, I don't know what else to say. Um, so I think that was sort of that one moment out of many moments in my life that I can mark and say, you know, that helped me move to a different space. God allowed, as father was saying, allowed this desolation or whatever it might be to be able to move me or give me the opportunity to move to another space wow. with him. And so I, you know, 
I love that. That's what it's been. Two things that are highlighting in that story is, is just, first of all, wonder and awe. Like, we mm. don't, yeah. we, like, the, the church needs to uh, a renewed sense of wonder and awe, right? Mm. Like, that we would experience when God works in us and works through us, like, to sit back and to have that quiet of just, like, oh, my Whoa. gosh. Like, <laughs> you are amazing. And, like, they, like wonder of all will, will truly inspire us to worship him more, right? Absolutely. When we're like, you're so amazing. I just want to love you more. But then also this idea that, we can encounter him through mission. And I, I noticed in youth ministry so often that like I would have like a, a young like leadership team, a discipleship team of leaders who like juniors and seniors in high school who would help run youth ministry. And mm-hmm. sometimes like juniors would come to me or they would be like, well, I just don't feel like I'm holy enough yet to be on leadership team. And I'm like, wait, what, uh, 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 what point was Peter holy enough to be a disciple of Jesus and to, to minister along his side, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, that there, I mean, clearly if you're in grave sin, right, there's, there's an element of confession, <laughs> but a lot of times this idea of that I'm going to grow in the, in holiness mm-hmm. through the work of mission, mm-hmm. that when I, when I put myself out there, the Holy Spirit it activates the gifts in me so I can encounter God deeper and deeper, which is really exciting. Yeah. And I'm, and I think that experience marks for me the way in which I encounter ministering with young people. Uh, my husband and I have done ministry together, you know, since, well, not always because I was not born with him, but, um, but we've <laughs> always, we've done ministry together and this, and he kind of came from the same, he was part of the same thing in Florida, even though I wasn't part of it anymore. So it's kind of an interesting how we ended up actually walking the same road wow. just at different times frames. And, um, and I think for me, that's always been my big thing where I'm like, you have to allow persons, you have to allow young people to act out their faith. It doesn't matter where in their space they are in their faith journey, because that's what allows you to really own it, to really know it, um, by experiencing it. And, um, I will say like for every single team that we have had in leadership, Maybe not all of them because of life circumstances and things are walking the faith um, as you hope they would. Yeah. But every single one that is was part of leadership in some way, shape or form. And I think that is extremely formative. um, And it just I I really think it gives you that ownership of that and that um, that growth, as you say, we don't have to know it all to walk. Um, We just have to walk. Yeah. Amen. I love that. That's yeah. so good. So the the I didn't really introduce what your role in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia is at the beginning of the show. So, Father, you are the vicar. Okay, I wrote it down. <laughs> the, the vicar it re- of the Office of Faith Formation with Youth and Young Adults. Exactly yeah. right. Yep, it, yep. You like your business card must be like the size of an eight by eleven. It wraps piece of paper. around <laughs> it. Actually, the title a couple times. I always, I always love the title vicar as well. That just means like mm. you're like the man, right? Like what's what's the actual title of vicar mean? Yes. Yeah. No. 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 That's actually anything. So Archbishop Perez is is our ordinary in, in Philadelphia. Great. Uh, a great holy bishop and and a powerful animator with uh, with youth and young adult ministry. Yeah, he so loves youth and young adult he, ministry. Yeah. He's such a gift. So really, uh, as a vicar, when I am out ministering in youth and young adult ministry, because I, I'm not a vicar general, I'm a vicar specific in a sense to youth and young adult ministry, that he is vicariously present through my ministry. 
Wow. And I need to be intentional to be representing him, obviously, which I, I tried to do so zealously. But when, when I'm present, as, primarily in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, um, it's, it's as if the bishop is there. So there's a certain blessing and I think powerful graces. It's, it's interesting stepping into this office um, that, you know, there's, there's particular graces that I've never had access to before. And I think it's because... It's flowing from, and every priest ministry flows from their bishop, so that's yes. not brand new. But there, there's a particular kind of like like avenue of grace that being a vicar has afforded me, and nice. so it's it's been a, a joy. It really... Well, welcome to Beyond Damascus. Today, our host is Archbishop Perez. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the, what Christian, yeah. what Jesus is to the Christian, right? Like yes. I'm a vicar of Christ in the world that, I, that. that He flows through me through baptism. That I've died to myself and now I'm alive in Christ Jesus. Like that mystery of Paul, like it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I'm His representative, right? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, that's really. And, and when Archbishop Perez gives the teaching on what a vicar is, because he, he he's enthusiastic to have vicars, he he always reminds people. That he's better looking than I am. Oh yeah, naturally, naturally. Yes. I'm like, okay, I love that. That's, that's, that's the perfect, the perfect example. Uh, and, and then you're you are the director of the Office of Youth Ministry, right? Yeah. So what um, in our nomenclature is Office for Ministry with you? Oh, that's right, Office of Ministry. Yeah. I didn't look down on my paper. Oh no, it's okay. Have, yeah. I know, I know. So and, and the idea behind it is to really accentuate that it's ministry with. The youth. Yeah. It's not that we're here to give them what it's already in them. Mm -hmm. um, our our role is to really walk with them and nurture that and allow them to see the Christ that's already in them and help them see that giftedness. So it's really a, a you know that co responsibility that ministering with that it's a synodal thing that it's yes. a familial thing that it's all of us together as a body um, mm -hmm. and that's hence that emphasis on the with. That's awesome. So Archbishop Perez was the wasn't he the chair for the USCCB for Youth and Young Adult Ministry at one point, or and, is he still? And he still is. He he just re-signed on in that role. So he's yeah, I I don't know how long the commitment is three more years or whatever. But so he's he's actively now. So he represents the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops for the for Youth and Young Adult Ministry, and you guys are called to exercise his ministry in the in the archdiocese that's that's no small challenge right no no, no pressure no i'm just kidding there's there is no pressure in ministry because yeah. his burden is light and his yoke is easy um and so kind of what what is your guys's heart or what are you bringing to your new office right or mm. at least new yes. positions like so you're this is your first year second year you know, yeah. I, I've actually officially been in this position for just over one year. Now that there was there was some work that we were doing beforehand before the the position was created, yeah. but but it's 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 one year for me and and how long for you? Yeah, now? it's a year and a half. Although that first half was really just it was the middle of pandemic 2020, so it was really just kind of relationship building. But the office officially a year and a half. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm kind of obsessed with dreaming, right? And I, uh, so what is your dream for mm. your positions? What do you want to see happen for the youth and the young adults in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia? Yes, yes. So, um, and and in my role, what falls under me would be CYO now, which is, you oh, know, yeah. you know I have a background in conversion <laughs> yes. for so many. <laughs> exactly right. And then also ministry with youth, ministry with young adults. 
um, and the Office of Catechetical Formation. So, and then so I get a chance to work with the high schools and, the, and our colleges, and, and it's so oh, wow. wonderful. It really is a, 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 a broad experience of the life of the church. Just before this, I was the vocation director for Philadelphia for the Dawson priesthood in particular. And so, and that was such a joy, and, and, it, and it helped me to kind of walk along with individuals who are seeking God's will and helping them to, to discern that and then grow in the courage to, to say yes. Absolutely. I, and also, just importantly, to discern that they're not called too, if they, you know, both <laughs> yeah. are just as important. Well, I, I, I love the movement of the life of the church. Pope uh, uh, Francis has this amazing document called Christus Vivid. Uh, Mary Sally's really very much an expert on it and is catching me up to speed to, for, for clarity. Mary expert at everything. She's I'm, all, I, yeah. I'm just a jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. What is it? One, one of those that knows a lot about things but not an expert on any one thing. Jack of there all trades, go. master of none. But, there yeah. you but go, that, that, I, I, that was just the clarification <laughs> of the quote. That's not Mary Sally. She's a master when it comes to youth ministry, <laughs> for sure. Um, so in, in that role, though, I, I developed a passion for helping people to discern God's will. And, and in Christus Vivit, the Pope, you know, two key components of, amongst, you know, like seven or eight others is that all ministry with the young church needs to be vocational, helping everyone, not mm -hmm. just priests and religious discern their vocation, helping everyone to know what plan has God made you for and then to get, give the tools to, to discern. So discernment and vocation are integral to that. I think because of my role as vocation director, when Archbishop Perez, knowing Christus Vivid so well as he does, I think he thought I was a good fit to bring this about, and it certainly is the passion that I bring to just, because if, if the whole church is doing God's will, wow, every problem in the world will be solved, every problem in the church will be solved, life will be amazing, and, and so it's, it's, a, it's a joy to, to, to help making steps towards this happening. I love that. That's so. amazing. Yeah. What it, maybe, Mary Sally, maybe you can share a, sure. with us what is Francis's gems, like what, what is the gold in Christus Viva, and, then, and what is your dream for the youth of Philadelphia? So the first goal that I love to shout out into the mountains is see how he continuously calls the word, like he doesn't use the word too many times, but when he does it, it's so powerful, the protagonism of youth, how mm. youth are capable of leading. They're capable of sharing the gospel with others. They are the ones that will change the world. Yes. And I think for me, that is instrumental and central to all of the document because really everything else is about us assisting them and walking with them in that process. But it's really about empowerment. It's really about help for us to help them see that as baptized, they are called to transform the world in the same power that Pope Francis has, in the same power that any of us has, that that actually exists within them. And I think for me, that's like the biggest gem out of all of it. Um, let like, them I like be. To just praise the Lord when I hear something good. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. I agree so much. Like that is, we always say that we have this this core value of believing in the potential of the youth, and I feel like our culture is lost. Like they just yeah. don't believe in the potential of the youth anymore. And there's just like prolonged adolescence, right? Mm. Where and we mm. almost like we we do this in the church too, where we just like prolong this their adolescence, where it's like, oh, we're just gonna feed you and feed you. Even in young adult ministry, I'm like, mm. at what point are we gonna call the young adults? to like the work of mission, right? Because so often so many young adult ministries are just consumeristic where like just come and receive, come and receive. And mm. it's like, well, you don't like young adult ministry should be 
young adult missional work, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are the church, and and even yeah, the, the Francis and John Paul II, that this idea of just like yeah, the young church mm-hmm. has the ability to be Christ in the world, and that they're not the future of the church; they are the church today. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's huge. Um, you know, I I hear that, and and I'm always ah, I kind of cringe. Because I'm like, when I was 16 years old, since then, I've been hearing that I was the now of the church. Yeah. And so for me, it's not a new concept. I've always been told that um, that I could do it, that I am capable, that I am able. And I had adults um, that allowed me to exercise that, which is the biggest yeah, part, right? Exactly. It's one thing is for me to know my role in the church. Mm. The second is for those around me to allow me to exercise that. Yes. Mm. Um, because so many times we could be, instead of the catalyst for movement, we could be the walls that kind of hold things back. And yeah. so, that's um, that's, point. yeah. And that, for me, that's huge. When do your, do your teens, do your youth know who they are in Christ as the protagonists are called to be. And number two, do you allow them to be that? Yeah. I think a lot of times uh, the, cause that's, it's such in my heart to equip young people for mission. And, um, I have been evaluating like, why, why don't we do it? And I think a lot of times it's one, uh, a lack of trust, uh, this fear that they're somehow going to mess up. And it's like, just get over it. Like they are going to mess up and it's not going to be perfect. And their theology isn't awesome. But, and I, I, you know, like sometimes I'll even tell priests, right. But like, like you just have to be okay with that. Like Mm -hmm. it's part of the learning process. You weren't awesome at CYO the first year you went out, right? Like (laughs) there's, there's like, but as long as I accompany them and, and walk with them, then I can coach them and build them up. So there's that lack of trust. But I also think there's like, um, I've noticed a lot of the adults, they get their identity from their mm-hmm. ministry as mm-hmm. opposed to their identity for being sons and daughters. And so if I'm trying, yes. if I get my worth and my value from being the yeah. one that's doing the work and I get my worth and my value from like being the leader and being in charge, then I'm never going to give that away because mm-hmm. that's where my, mm-hmm. my value comes from. Mm-hmm. And when your worth and your value comes from the father, then all you want to do, because what does the father do? He raises up sons and daughters. Mm -hmm. And so a father, when I have the father's love, all I want to do is raise up sons and daughters, raise them up, equip them for the work of ministry. And that kind of ties into, we had this conversation yesterday about spiritual motherhood and spiritual fatherhood. And our, our role is, if I'm not here, because I won't always be, if I'm not here, can they continue this? And so my role should always be, I should not be needed. Exactly. And so I need to equip you to do what Christ is calling you to do, whatever that may be, as if I'm not around. One, because I won't always be. And two, because that's the way it is. I mean, the, the, our role is to really bring up sons and daughters, yes. those that will continue to do the walk and walk on their own, walk with Christ, of course, um, but not dependent on me because at that point then it's about me yeah exactly exactly i love that okay so that's the gold from christus vivit uh and then what is like kind of what is your um your dream for the youth in the archdiocese is it basically the same thing yes it is so i always say that our office um i like to think of it as a two-sided coin um one side is really the work with the adults the work with those that are ministering now the work with the pastors the work with the communities to uh, you know first to recognize that those two things right that your youth are as much church as we as as 
Pope Francis, as all of us, and they have the capacity to do so and to, to allow them to do that and equip them and give them the tools to be able to walk yeah. with their youth. Mm -hmm. And then the second is for the youth to kind of take over. I really believe that... Um, that Military takeover, right? Basically. <laughs> we are the militant church, yes. so there we go. Um, we are the militant church. So I really believe that transformation in the church in Philadelphia will come through the power of the youth. Mm. As we engage them, the church will be transformed. Amen. And so um, I'm really big on forming, equipping young people to take on the role that, that they have been given and maybe we have not allowed them to discover yet. Yeah, yeah. yesterday we were talking about the, this new initiative we're doing here at Damascus, the Youth Leadership Institute, and our goal is to help equip high school students to come up with a, um, a mission, we call it a mission project, where they define what is the particular mission, and I've there's like four spheres of engagement that a young person is called to, right? Their parish, their schools, their families, and their communities. And so what, what's the mission that the Lord has for me? And one of these spheres of influence, and, and how am I going to act, actual, uh, actualize that mm. over the course of the year? And then to accompany them on that work of mission. Uh, I love St. Paul. He says we have to equip the holy ones for mm -hmm. the work of mission, right? And so how do we walk with them to equip them? And then, Mary Sally, you were talking about a ministry that you're familiar with that does the same thing. They call them passion projects. Yes. Uh, what, but there's, they're more social-oriented. What, what do they do? So it's called Center for Faith Justice. They mm -hmm. are based in South Jersey, and they're really about the work of justice. Yeah. And so, um, so you know, we might say service projects, but what they do is they really, they, they base it on immersion experiences so the young people can really understand not just what the issues are, but the systematic parts that come with it. And so they do something very similar after this immersion experience, they are equipped to begin what they call their passion project. Yeah. And so their passion project is, okay, so what is it that I am called to do in terms of a work of justice? So it's very similar. It's the yeah. same thing, just the work of in terms of the justice portion of faith, whatever you want to call that, um, however that's defined. Yeah. But um, I mean, they've had teens. I remember there's a couple of parishes that was in the Archdiocese of Newark before Philadelphia. And there were a couple of parishes that were engaged in their program. And one parish, um, it was it's a primarily Hispanic parish. And these teens that went to this program came back with a project to help um, educate the congregation, which was their family members, their friends, etc., on their rights, because this was at the moment when um, ISIS was coming into homes and people were scared and they saw that in their families, that their oh. parents, their uncles, they were scared. And they were like, we have to we have to let them know what what what's right and what's not right in this situation. And so they put together an entire learning process for people to come and to learn what their rights were, what um, what they were able to do, what they were not, where they could get help, etc. And these were like, a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old. I mean, they were like from the thir the ages of 13 to 15 yeah. years mm -hmm. old. And if it gets planted in their adolescence, it's going to remain in their adulthood, Absolutely. right? That it's a, you're ingraining a, a missional habit in their lives that will will remain for with them and for them. And that's where our future lay ministers, our future priests, our mm -hmm. future religious are going to come from. What oh, I was uh, reflecting last night, just giving the Lord thanks um, for one of the students that was in my youth group when he was in high school. Um, he, he just had this powerful conversion um, and fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. He went for the march, went to the march for life, and his heart was broken mm -hmm. over just the uh, 
the the Holocaust of abortion. Mm-hmm. And he goes back into his public school and starts a pro-life club at his public school. And there was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of challenge. But he's like, so the, initially they said, you can't do it. And, and he's like, well, I, he pulls out the guidelines for what, like, what students are allowed to do to awesome. start clubs. And he's like, I fulfill every one of these guidelines. You can't tell me I can't do it. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he starts his pro-life club. It becomes one of the biggest clubs in their, awesome. in their public school. Awesome. And his heart, and and then at this point in ministry, we're, I'm, I had this theory that every young person should do missional work after mm-hmm. high school, a gap year of some sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we would, you know, encourage seniors to consider a gap year. He chose to be a pro-life missionary. Uh-huh. And um, and he, if for the last, I'd say probably 10 years, he's a pro-life missionary. He's married. He has children. And uh, it's been so fun to accompany awesome. him as he's this pro-life missionary going to college campuses, like uh, aggressively confronting people. And like he's he's part of the, the movement Created Equal, and their style's a little challenging, mm. right? They show the aborted fetuses, and they're very graphic. But the, the idea is, you know, if people had seen what was going on in the Holocaust, mm. they always say, if I only knew, mm. right? And so they use graphic images to at least start conversation. And he's seen so many babies saved. He's, there's been abortion clinics closed in Columbus because of it. And oh, it was so fun God. just a few weeks ago being able to like see the Roe v. Wade overturn mm. and, 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 yes. and being able to like reach out to him and be like, you were a critical part of that. Like mm. You were on the front line fighting this battle. And in your lifetime, you saw Roe v. Wade overturned, yes. right? Like, and that's the amazing thing that a young person in high school gets convicted. Mm-hmm. And now as, as a, a young adult, uh, a married missionary for life, he's, he sees the Lord's victory. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing, right? Yes. Like, I just love what God's doing. So father kind of, and, um, you know, the challenges that the church is facing, mm-hmm. right? And I'd mm-hmm. say because of your leadership in the archdiocese, you were, uh, you've you've seen the challenges head on both internally in the church and externally um, from the assaults of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Mm. What what is your hope in ministry? Like, what do you bring to the table to give you yourself endurance and, and faith that God's going to be the victor in all things? Yes, yes. It, it's it's the belief that that He is bigger than every challenge, every 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 issue. You know, one challenge we have in the in the life of the church is. Um, a vocation shortage of priesthood, religious life, and married life too. That's that's actually going to be the more devastating mm-hmm. vocation crisis. And so, when I was tasked to be the vocation director, I, I really it, it was a, a a moment of growth in my own identity as a priest and a Christian. In that, um, I struggled sometimes allowing the problem to seem bigger than Jesus. Wow. And that's a huge issue for effective ministry. Yeah, you know, yeah you'll and, never be successful <laughs> if you think the problem is bigger than Jesus. Yes, yeah. exactly right. But it is, it is, I like that you share that because it is a reality that yeah. probably a lot of people struggle with. Yes, and and so our, our Lord providentially set up a, a, a an experience, my first year's vocation director, that brought a healing and then helped me to kind of unleash the power of the resurrection in the vocation ministry that I was doing and, and, and just basically, which means getting out of his way wow. and letting him do it. Uh, my first year as, as a vocation director, the, the St. Charles Barmeo campus where my office was is right across the street from a hospital. They're used to being able to call over and get a priest if they're in a pinch, but on Easter week, the campus is empty. Yeah. So I had a meeting, the meeting let out, and the security guard, you know, because he was like looking, where, who had that meeting? He came running over, dripping with sweat. He just spent the last 45 minutes running around the campus. It's a huge campus looking for a priest. Um, and, and when he got to me, he's just like, Father, 
they called from Lankanon. Somebody is actively dying. They need last rites. Can you run over? I'm like, absolutely. So hop in the car, go over, which is just like a block away. And um, when I get there, I, I run into the emergency room and a nurse intercepts me and, um, and says, Father, this young man just passed away. Mm. Um, and he's, he's 26 years old. So I step in and I, I tell right away that um, he, he and his mom are from Western Africa. I, I look at his mom. She looks back at me. I nod at her. She nods at me. So I start to give last rites. And, 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 and be one, one important teaching, you know, I felt to see if there's any warmth in the body. We normally don't give sacraments to someone who's dead, but we don't know when the soul leaves the body. So mm. a lot of times there's a little, we, we consider a little wiggle room if there's warmth in the body. So there is warmth. Started the last rites. To which then the mom stops and he's like, Father, stop. You know, I don't want you to give last rites. Then I'm like, well, why am I here? She's like, I didn't call you over here to give last rites. Me and my son, we're not even Catholic. We're Pentecostal. Um, I called you over here so that you can pray over my son and he could be restored to life again. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we <laughs> know. There you go. There's Pentecostal. Yeah. She's like, ah, come on, Lord. <laughs> so I'm like, we normally don't do that. But we normally don't do that. <laughs> That's not part of the right. <laughs> yes, exactly. What page is that on? Flip the book, flip the book. And I heard the voice of one of my seminary professors say, when when you're pitched at, you got to swing. <laughs> yes, so, and, I and love then, that. And then I, I heard the, the from the word of our, our, our Lord, you know, you will de- do these words and he, uh, these works and even greater works than these. Mm. And so I'm walking towards him. I'm like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So just to kind of, you know, build myself up, I lay my hands on him and I pray in the name of Jesus, restore this man back to life. Wow. And do you know what happened at that moment? I am so excited to hear. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> 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 it would have been a better story. If, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's incredibly awkward then to have a conversation with the mom right afterwards. So where's the funeral going to after you try? Like, yeah. so I got out of there quickly. Yeah. That night I felt guilty. And I'm like, why do I feel guilty? Mm. Like it just feels like I, I know, you know, where we're, we're, there's not an obligation to raise the dead. The, the church has given that power, but there's not the obligation. I felt guilty for just what I said earlier. It was at that moment I realized that that man's death was a bigger reality to me than Jesus's resurrection on Easter week of all times. Mm. And, and, and I was convicted and had to seek then this capacity to, to trust that our Lord is bigger. There's not, no such thing as a situation, you know, like we could be standing before the gates of hell and our Lord is bigger than that situation. Mm. And, and that infused in me just a, a, a trust and a faith and a confidence in our Lord that I just have to decrease so that he can increase and then, you know, uh, there was one moment in time um, where, where the Archdiocese of Philadelphia had the most seminaries in the country. Wow. And, and, and that's not a, a, a I'm awesome. That's a Jesus is awesome because <laughs> yeah. I'm the guy that didn't believe in the resurrection. So, <laughs> <laughs> and despite that, he used me. So in any ministry yeah. situation, despite you, Archbishop Perez says that all the time, despite you, he can use you. And, and, and so there's always going to be that leap of faith component in every single ministry situation that we, you know, when we do the calculus, it's never going to add up that we're adequate to fulfill whatever it is that God is asking. And that's by design because he wants to do it through us and we just have to kind of be abandoned. So so mm. it's just trusting that Jesus is there and that, that Jesus has it. 
It's 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 and then and then ministry is actually easy and doesn't have to be stressful. I can't say I'm living in that freedom right now, but yeah. that's a that I, I know that's a real possibility. Yeah. And because all things are possible for our Lord and He wants to do great things. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Father. It is we're called to faithfulness, not success, Mother mm. Teresa says. And it's yeah. as long as I'm faithful, like the Lord asked me to pray for someone, I'm going to pray for that person. And it's it's not up to me whether or not they're healed or whether or not they rise from the dead. And it's 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 interesting because I've, I've been blessed to pray over people that have had amazing, miraculous healings. Mm-hmm. And then I've also prayed over people where nothing happened and that you, you do, you form this detachment almost where it's like, okay, I'm just, I am simply the instrument here. Like I'm going to be faithful to the prayer. And, uh, but the Lord is the healer. Mm-hmm. The Lord is the resurrection of life. And the Lord was the resurrection of life for that young man. Um, whether he rose from the dead in, in the physical or not, right. But Absolutely. the Lord is the resurrection of life, no matter what Absolutely. in that moment for that, that, that young man, which is really powerful. I, I, I was, um, uh, reflecting on just this, uh, the idea of having faith to move mountains and the mm. idea that when I am at the bottom of a mountain and I'm looking up, the mountain is is giant and impossible. And a lot of times in ministry, that's how we see mm-hmm. mountains. We're like, oh my gosh, I'm weak and I'm small. And what can I do with this huge mountain? But if I'm in heaven and I'm looking down, the the mountain is extremely, extremely small. And mm-hmm. so just all about what perspective. Am I looking from the world's perspective and an earthly perspective, or I'm looking from heaven's perspective? And when mm-hmm. I look at the obstacles, the problems, the difficulties in ministry or in life or in the church or in the world from heaven's perspective, I see the power of God. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is simple. Like that mountain is nothing to me. Uh, he's so much bigger. So you had... You said you, you had more seminarians than any other diocese in the country. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, what was like? Ha, what was your technique, or what did you do to kind of grow uh, vocations in the archdiocese? For sure. So it, you know, and one thing that that Pope Francis, we were talking about Christus Vivid mm-hmm. a lot. So a lot of it is personal accompaniment, yeah. just walking with the man, mm. and 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 even um, and and being gentle with him, like you know. Not not having a timeline of like oh we have to get him in the seminary this fall because we need numbers this fall it's just like nope we're on God's time and 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 you know it, the my time is secondary it's God's time first this person's time second in terms of what what he needs and so walking with them you know from my own experience um, I know how powerful the holy hour is so really and I say this if for anyone who wants to know what God's will in this their life is if you do a daily holy hour and pray a rosary daily foolproof plan. I don't know anyone that can mess that up because yeah. I, I, that's how I found my vocation and I can mess a lot of things up. So that's like yes. almost the foolproof way. So I would encourage the guys to do that. And in my personal accompaniment, a lot of times it was just simply supporting them in maintaining the holy hour and the daily rosary wow. and encouraging that. And, and because it's letting Mary teach us how to say yes and how to receive the grace. And then Jesus, you know, what's in his heart starts to resonate in our heart when we spend that quality time with him. And then all of a sudden we just come to know what, you know, what his plan is for us. And it's, it's, it's powerful, it's peaceful, it's joyful, it's healing wow. and that type of thing. So I also saw in, in all <clears throat> ministry, there's always a healing component. I actually, you know, was, it was, Vocation work it was actually more healing than helping with discernment. And every guy that would see me, because there, there are a bunch of guys that show up and you know from day one, like, we're not going to continue on this journey. But you can always set them on another path 
Um, and so, so it's everything is always healing. Every component of ministry is healing. So walking with men, helping them to heal, it actually makes them zealous then to invite others into the process. And so they become a, a recruitment component in in what's what's taking place. And then uh, the, you know there is also then the, the the time for exhortation. A lot of times, you know, we, we suffer with a great deal of perfectionism. And, and that perfectionism causes us sometimes not to start, you know, and, and you were ministering mm. to that powerfully, Dan, with what you are saying earlier. God doesn't wait, need us to be perfect. He doesn't, he's not waiting for us to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so often we think, I just have to become perfect and then I can do this. And guys who want to go in the seminar, they're like, I just want to simply be, have perfect prayer and perfect knowledge of theology before I go in the, well, like, what's the seminary for then? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, and God's calling you now and there's a bit of, like I call it bumper sticker theology you know, God doesn't call the most qualified. He qualifies those who's calling. Mm -hmm. So when he, at the time he's calling us, we're not capable of doing the thing. I know I said it before, but I think it's worth emphasizing. But then as we are pursuing it, he gives us the grace. He gives us the formational opportunities and, the, and that type of thing. So, so is that accompaniment, lead them in prayer, teach them how to pray. And I think this translates very well to youth ministry, young adult ministry too. We need to teach our people how to pray. They, yes. they, they don't know how to. We're generations away from a lively devotional life in the families. And so if we're not the one teaching them to pray, they're not going to learn how to pray. Yep. And, and when they know how to pray, they know God and they come to know his will. And then, you know, then, and the strength and the, the joy that comes from that, you know, just flows from there. So, wow. Yeah. I love that. Boom. That's good advice. Write that down. If you're discerning holy hour and the rosary, we have yeah. out the window, we have, um, our Marian grotto and it has the statue of Mary mother, of the Eucharist. And mm -hmm. I, uh, St. John Bosco, the patron of youth, he had a vision. And in that vision, the, the church was this boat, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and the Lord told the um, John Bosco that the church would be safe in the midst of all the storms of the world mm -hmm. and all the storms in the church if, uh, if the church remained between the two pillars of the Eucharist and the Blessed Mother. And, mm -hmm. and that's kind of our heart, that if we want to bring the young church into revival, we have to bring the young church into revival through these two pillars of Mary and the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And if we want to bring our own like soul into revival, those two pillars of Mary and the Eucharist. I love that. That's so good. All right, Mary Sally. So you and I have been um, talking for a while just about kind of how to uh, how to get more of Damascus, more summer camp ministry on the East Coast. So you guys are are live here at Damascus, right? Where I always I always like Saturday Night Live, live from New York. We should yeah. we should start with like yes. live from Damascus, from from Cinderburg, Ohio. Um, but but so we're live at Damascus. You guys came to visit to kind of see Catholic Youth Summer Camp for the first time. What's 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 been your experience and what's your heart for the Philadelphia Church with camp ministry? Why is it valuable? Um, so we've seen what we've seen is amazing. It's wonderful. It really you can see that it is spirit led. It's definitely in between those two pillars or it's being held up by those two pillars, mm -hmm. which and it really comes from, you know, from yourself and from the entire team that um, all the missionaries to really live it, to be incarnational mm. with that and bring that out to towards the teens. And I think the incarnational aspect is what's really most prevalent and most beautiful um, and really what's making the difference. And so what I'm hope, what my, our hope, I guess, for, uh, for Philadelphia and really for the East coast and really for the church um, is that through Damascus, what's, what's beautiful, not just the incarnational nature, but that you get to live that 
for a couple of days mm-hmm. um, that you get to be engrossed in it, that you get to be immersed in it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's really hard to hear the voice of God in the midst of the madness that exists all the way around. And depending on each situation, you know, Father, you were talking about um, the importance of individual relationship, the importance of individual walking with a young person. And so a place like this really allows that opportunity for them to unplug from whatever that is and really see that in action. Um, and one of my favorite things was really um, last night, it's really that that empowerment and that uh, embedding in their soul that you are capable and that you are able. And really that idea of we are on mission. We are baptized for the work of Christ, for the work of um, building his kingdom here, not tomorrow, but now. Mm. Um, and I think that's a message that we really need to share yeah. um, mm. until the point where they actually believe it. And then we need to repeat it again and continue to repeat it so that it's not lost. Um, so I think that's what I'm most excited about. Mm. Um, I think, as you mentioned, um, there's a lot of ministry, but we do a lot of feeding and I'm like, well, that's great. But then that's what happens when they get to young adults. And there's such a uh, just in the culture in general, this almost disbelief in commitment. Nobody wants to commit to anything. Nobody wants to work for anything um, kind of thing. And I'm like, well, if we're adapting that model, then there's a reason why we don't have a lot of growth or a lot of like mm. that charge to. Yes, I'm going to go pursue a particular vocation because I'm just lost in. I'm still needing to be fed. I'm still not there. I'm still not. It's like, well, we yeah. need to nurture walk, me right? forever. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm like, you know, the like, what is it? The parents that still have their 30 year old in the basement. You yeah, know, that yeah, kind of the thing. helicopter. Uh, yeah. Or, or, yeah, the enabler. It's like we, we're made to 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 help people grow so and let them go. Right? They're not yeah. ours. They're his. Mm. Um, and so I think that's what I'm most excited about to be able to give that message to the young people that you are capable. You have been given everything that you need at this moment for what he's calling you for right now. Yeah. Don't worry about whatever's going to come down the line. We're not there yet. Since we don't live there, we can only be here. Yeah. Um, the past, can't do anything about that. We're here. He's with us right here. And whatever he's asked, calling you to right now, it's because you're able to do it. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. It's so rich like to see the fruit of when the Holy Spirit convicts a heart for mission, what comes a young heart, oh, yeah. right? And Amen. and I love Mary Sally. You're such an inspiration to me because you're you're so gifted in so many things. Like you're you're an artist, you're a graphic designer, <laughs> you had su- a successful career. And in a sense, the Lord says, you know, if you wish to be my disciple, like you throw your life away. The one who loses their life for my sake will find it. And you you left a successful career to work for a diocese, which anyone who's ever worked for a diocese knows it is not an exciting, like glamorous job, right? But that you like truly that throwing your life away for the work of the Lord, such a beautiful missionary call. So thank you for that. Yeah. And and I can't say that it's on my own, right? My husband has you know, has the same heart because it really, you know, we're one. And so um, to be able to, in a sense, give each other permission yeah. to say like, this is where God's calling us and that's what we do. The end. I love that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. So Father, yesterday you were talking about how Archbishop, his desire is to form kind of like a uh, missionary culture in the archdiocese. Mm, yeah. And he's bringing mm. in different missionary communities. And we're talking about like how we can get more missionaries to archdiocese of Philadelphia. What have you, what have you seen with this stirring up of the missionary culture in Philadelphia? And, and what do you see in the missionary culture here at Damascus? Why, why is this important in the mm. church today? Mm, so, so very important. Um, and, and I, I think starting with Damascus, one, one beautiful component of our reorganization in Philadelphia is that 
you know, starting from day one, you know, students that are in CCD, our schools, you know, will be hopefully effectively handed off to other mm-hmm. other ministries. So then that way there, there's a continuity. Unfortunately, in terms of membership, it's not all about counting the sheep, but, but you, we also want to keep our family together, you know, at one level. Um, we bleed out membership. Mm. It, you know, when people graduate CCD, you know, their parents don't continue them to youth ministry and, and engagement and that type of thing. And, and you can see that at every moment in the in the spectrum. That's why, like, one of the beautiful things about Damascus is, you know, it's, it's a powerful encounter with mm-hmm. our Lord yeah. and a systematic handing off from one age category to the next so that you can sign up as a middle school student remain in high school there's 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 ways to keep connected in college and beyond yeah. as as missionaries and and that is just so so important and so mm-hmm. valuable um, that a lot of times we silo ministries and there's no connection whatsoever yeah. and then we cut somebody loose and we're just like good luck with everything where uh, the church I think we're called to be much more intentional in that regard mm-hmm. and so your model is is really powerful what you're doing you know, for in this camp model, we're hoping to do with with mm. all of our ministries, leading mm-hmm. everyone then into like full blown mission in the in the life of the church. I love that. So yeah. we're bringing in these missionary groups, and and we're we're hoping a, a lively connection with Damascus in the future to to just kind of infuse a, a vision of what missionary activity looks like at home. A lot of times. You know, we're, we we still have kind of the old culture and the old tradition of thinking of, oh yeah, well missions you you go to a foreign country, you don't do it at home. But obviously, we're we're the one of the most critical mission fields in the in the whole world today because of the influences of secularization and and every other thing that I'm sure you've talked about before here. Um, and so we need uh, you know to model what missionary life looks like for for our brothers and sisters, especially for the young church. Uh, and so as we bring more missionaries in, and there's a whole variety of, of missions, you know, we're about to bring Christ in the city, which is ministering to the homeless population. Such a good missionary mm-hmm. program. Amazing. We have the culture project that's taking the theology of the body and the teachings of the church and trying to infuse sexual inte- integration in integrity, sexual in- integrity in, in our young church. And Incredible. So important. And we have Generation Life, which is a huge pro- mm. life group already there. So a uh, bag of on ministry, you know, inner cities, so and it keeps going on and on. Focus for our college campuses. So and and each each are demonstrating what particular charism is, and and you know there's a there's enough variety that you know everyone everyone has many charisms at least one, but most most people have many charisms. Yes. And then when you see it activated in a mission, you know that resonates in your heart, and that can be powerfully compelling and moving when you see that at work. And then, so we're hoping that each missionary group, where it's still new-ish, but we, we've seen from the missionary groups that we have there that like-minded people are drawn to them and then are transformed by them, and and just great fruit takes place. I love it. This is going to be a great like uh, experiment for the church because we we like to talk a lot here at Damascus with our missionaries that the church. I mean, John Paul II and Benedict XVI. They said. Uh, the the church is um, the charismatic dimension of the church is coessential with the hierarchical dimension, and what they what they were referring to is the hierarchical dimension, the the diocesan priesthood, uh, the the diocesan infrastructure, the 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 sacramental life of the church, the sustaining life of the church. That's the hierarchical element, and then the charismatic element is just the the new movements, the new waves of the Holy Spirit, the missional uh, vibrancy of the here and now. That they're coessential and they work together and they collaborate together and both need each other. Mm. And the I, I see that in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, this idea that the lay movements, the these the, these 
movements of the here and now are uh, joining with the 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 lasting and the 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 structure of the power of the church in Philadelphia, an mm-hmm. anchor of like Catholicism in America, and you see the two coming together. And what God's going to do with that, with that like mindedness, that harmony, is is just really exciting. I can't wait to see what God does in in your ministry through the work of your hands. I love your faith and, and the way you're so open to the Spirit. We've got to end the show. This is really fun. Um, I, I like to just talk about kind of uh the this idea of like so i I released a book a few um months ago called dream bigger and Hmm. uh at the end of the book i talk about how um that you have to make your dream public uh because when you make your dream public it releases number one it's a proclamation of faith of what Mm -hmm. you believe god's gonna do so it releases grace in the world but also it allows people to get behind that dream and so i'm just gonna make our dream public here like we've been talking for a few years that we want to camp on the east coast right Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. Um, that we have an amazing uh, relationship with a lot of the dioceses on the East Coast. But and uh, but as we look to the future, we believe that God wants to plant another Damascus camp on the East Coast, and we're gonna, um, we want missionaries uh, on the East Coast. And so we just pray, if you're listening today, that, I mean, we ask if you're listening today that you would get behind that prayer intention and that you would proclaim with us in faith that God has great plans for the East Coast and uh, in camp ministry and in all these other ministries. Please pray for their apostolate, uh, apostolic works there on the East Coast. Uh, Father, do you want to close us in a blessing? I'd be happy to. Yeah. In the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit upon us and all who are gathered through through viewing this video. Allow your Spirit to stir in our hearts in such a way that we come to know your plan in our lives and give us the fortitude to execute that plan. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. This was was a blast. You've been listening to Beyond (laughs) Damascus, a show where encounter meets mission. If this show has blessed you, please share it with others. Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. But why? Because we're trying to evangelize. And so the more likes we get, the more we're able to evangelize to people. So join us on mission. Also, uh, join us next week as we continue to uh, call the missional church back to her original nature. God bless you.